I started getting really nervous for a second, and I, uh, I had to realize this isn't about me. Um, this is to show everybody here how God can use a complete, utterly depraved, dirty sinner to glorify his kingdom. Um, and that's what I hope I can do with the short amount of time I have with you. Um, so growing up as a kid, I was kind of privileged, honest, as a young kid. Um, both my parents were together. We lived in a nice little suburb home by the lake. Um, I went to a nice school. I played sports. Um, but uh, somewhere along the way, when my parents got divorced, things started to change in my life. Um, I didn't see them now, but I can look back and see that that was a huge effect on my life. Um, I tried to put on a smile at school and be the funny kid, you know, class clown. Um, but it just kept affecting me more and more, seeing what my parents were going through. Um, chaos. It went from peace in my home to constant chaos when I was home. I had both my parents, and then it got to the point when they were split up, my dad was busting in my mom's door and physically taking me um, off the couch and running out of the house with me. Um, and those were things that were normal to me. I wasn't scared. I wasn't, it wasn't weird. That's just dad, you know. He's just, that's just him. Um, so growing up, chaos started to become normal to me. Nothing was out of bounds. Nothing was out of line. Um, my family liked to party a lot. Um, so slowly going into high school, uh, is when I started smoking weed, I started drinking a lot, um, and I started kind of straying away from the friends I was playing sports with and started hanging out with, you know, the cool kids. We all know the cool kids. Um, and I just, I just can't forget, I just didn't know who I was. I hit an identity crisis in my life where I'd never felt like I belonged. I was always trying to be somebody I wasn't and trying to fit in in a place that I was not comfortable at all times. Um, I got kicked off the football team freshman year because of my grades. Shortly after, I got expelled. Um, I was 15 years old, got recorded on the phone about a gun. My first charge, I'm 15 years old. I didn't know what I was doing. But instead of being scared by all those things, the people I was hanging out with, that was almost confidence to keep living that life. It was like the cool points. Um, so I just kept following my dad after the divorce because he let me do what I wanted to do. Um, smoke, drink, party, not go to school. Um, and he was an addict and alcoholic himself. And it slowly started taking a toll aggressively um, on his life. We went from moving from house to house to moving from motel to motel to me eventually um, having to move in with a girlfriend and my dad moving in with his uncle. Um, and us not being together anymore. I always had a fallback plan, and that's why I never knew any better. I was enabled to the fullest. I didn't have a job. I dropped out of high school. I didn't think I needed a job. I didn't think I needed a diploma. I, uh, I was just enabled. My dad would give me all his money whenever he had it, and that was about all I ever started getting a hold of him for. Um, my dad passed away a short time after we got split. He overdosed, and that took a really big toll on my mental health. I didn't know how to handle that. Um, and I also was alone again, because by this time, my mom had started her own family. She had gotten remarried. Um, 
they had two more kids, my little sisters, and they were doing very well in school. They had to focus on them more than the kid that's growing up and messing up and making his own horrible decisions. So I kind of got left in the dark on that end. She reached out to me a few times, tried to move me up there, but the life I was used to living, it was boring being up there. I didn't want to go back to school. I didn't want to do the right thing. I was selfish. My whole downfall, I can't blame anybody but myself. Um, I always used my dad as an excuse. I always used my family as an excuse, but it's because I was selfish. I did what I wanted to do at all times. I used everybody around me to get what I wanted, and then I moved on to the next thing. Um, I was only a teenager when my cousin introduced me to crack, and that was pretty much the end of everything. Um, after my dad dying and me being exposed to that drug, I had never felt so out of control of my own life. Um, I just would chase and chase and chase it until the wheels fell off. I mean, if we're being metaphorical or serious, chase it until my truck broke down and then sold my truck because it broke down and kept going. <laughs> um, so Haley, my wife, um, she was my pretty much middle school, high school sweetheart. She moved away for a long time during this period of my life. When she had came back, we were about 20, 21, and I was still in active addiction, but I was really good at playing it off that I didn't have a problem. I kept it secret. I'd mess up pretty bad, but uh, I'd bounce back and I'd pretty much keep it a secret from everybody around me. Um, I got her pregnant shortly after she came back to Michigan. And that was when I had to put my big boy pants on, but I was doing it because it's what I thought everyone wanted me to do. Not because I was having an internal change. Uh, I thought I had control. I always did. I always did. Um, and after we had my daughter, we got a place together, and I straightened up for a little bit. I did what you're supposed to do, get a job, provide for your kid. That didn't last very long, probably short-lived, less than six months. And... Um, the mask came off. I folded under pressure. Um, I took off on her. And then in between today and that day, that had happened probably a thousand times. I'd come back in her life and I'd leave. I had gotten her pregnant with our twin boys. For anybody that doesn't know, we have four kids. <laughs> so I'm really good at repeating uh, my mistakes as far as not being a father. Um, I was there for them and then I'd leave. I was there for them, and then I'd leave. All I cared about was myself. Um, I didn't think I had anybody to answer to. I went to rehabs, 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 jail, rehab, um, and that was only because I had nowhere else to go, not because I wanted to change. I always told her, I always told everybody in my family, I'm going to rehab, I'm gonna get fine this time, I'm gonna be fine. That was because I wanted them to think I was fine, not because I wanted to change. Um, the last time around was the worst. I, uh, I started getting a house with our tax money. We got a vehicle. Um, we had a house on land contract that I was supposed to be fixing up for uh, me, her, and our family, and our son that was on the way. Um, and I completely cracked under pressure once again. It's all I knew was to run back to drugs and run back to drugs. Um, I'd hide in my shame, I'd shut my phone off, and I'd just keep running. 
Um, I wasn't good at making a mistake and then coming back and bouncing back real quick from it. I would run and run as far as I could for as long as I could. And she was always there for me, wanting me to come home, asking me to come home. And it's a blessing that I still have her sitting right here um, at all to even hear me speak. Um, so once again, this last time out was just terrifying. Um, it got to the point where, you know, this kid coming from a nice home uh, with opportunities is now choosing to be behind dumpsters with people and being in broken down houses, just walking around. At one point, I tried to sell my shoes. Um, I was completely enslaved to the drugs I was on, completely enslaved and in bondage. And I didn't know any better or didn't think anything of it. It's just what I grew up and saw. But it was time to stop making excuses and stop blaming my dad, stop blaming my family, and look in the mirror and realize I'm doing this now. My kids now don't have a father because of what I'm doing, not because of what somebody did to me. Um, and <laughs> that was short-lived. Um, my, uh, my really good friend turned to Christ uh, during all this mess, and I saw what it was doing to his life and for his family. Um, and I kind of wanted a piece of that, but uh, I didn't want to do anything. I didn't want to make the change. Um, I thought I'd say a prayer and God would fix me. I'd be all good, get a job, stay clean forever. I never wanted to uh, obey him. I wanted him as my Savior, but I didn't want him as my Lord. Um, that's really what it came down to, is I wanted a Savior, but I didn't want a Lord because I was in control. And uh, hearing a little bit of my story, you can see where that got me. So at one point, I knew I needed a long-term Christ-based program because I couldn't do it myself. Um, there was no way possible on this earth that I could do it myself because I tried time and time again. I got this. I got this. I didn't have anything but a big mess and a bigger mess that I was creating. Um, so I heard the Grace Center of the Hope. Um, I went away, and a little bit of it was selfish, leaving my family, but I knew the 30, 60, 90-day programs never worked for me. That was just time to sit down and get my brain back together, get some food in my stomach before I ran back out again. Um, and coming here has been the most biggest, hugest change in our life as a family, as a person. Uh, I remember sitting in the dorm, and I used to talk to Dustin all the time, and he was always preaching the gospel to me. And I was on fire when I first came in, because um, I was in that, you know, uh, go hard, ready mode to change. About two weeks straight, we'd work out all the time. He'd preach the gospel to me. We'd listen to Christian music. I'd be like, yeah, yeah. Uh, and then I hit that wall where I realized I have to put forth an effort. Um, and I totally just became arrogant and started pushing him away a little bit. Um, but that's when I realized how selfish and conceited I was being. I had to sit down in my bunk and think about my children out there with her and her doing this all by herself. And I just completely broke down. And I just remember saying a prayer, telling him that I just I needed him more than anything in my life. Um, and he came. I mean, he came in that dorm, <laughs> 35 East Huron, top bunk. He came and uh, he showed himself. 
I remember going to case manager meetings shortly after. I was telling my case manager, I just feel so selfish. You know, I have no control over my kids right now I have because I wanted control. Um, ironically, about an hour or two later after having that conversation, she had ran into some trouble um, where I had to take the kids, all four of them, in the mission. Um, another time, I realized how selfish I was as a person. Um, because it's what I was asking for and what I wanted, but when it was happening, I was the most scared man you could have seen. Those kids walked through those doors. I was so grateful to see them, not under the circumstance, but I was so grateful to see them. And then I always prayed for patience. Big mistake. <laughs> I always prayed for patience. And um, I thought I'd just wake up and be patient. You know, Lord, please give me patience. I was waiting for that day to just wake up and be like, wow, here it is. I'm patient. So he said, here's four kids in a single room in your shelter. Um, and uh, it never struck me until about a week or two in. This chaos is what I was doing to her. Me taking off and me leaving is what I was doing to her. Poor me, poor me. I got these four kids uh, acting like I had nothing to be grateful for because it was so chaotic. And that's exactly what I did to her time and time and time again. Um, and realizing things like that is when I realized that God has really blessed me with a, with a powerful discernment um, about seeing the silver lining in things, you know, going through the trial and leveling up from it. Um, going through the storm and becoming stronger in faith through it. And I believe in my life that's what I had to do, was go through storm, storm, and storm again until I had no one to look to but God and give it all to Him. Um, so um, when I went to go graduate, they offered me a job for volunteer coordinator, and um, we're working on getting us a house. During that time, Haley knew that she needed some help, and she came through the program. Um, so, I remember um, in my head, you know, we're not going to rush things. We're not going to rush things. This is the love of my life. I don't know who I was fooling. We're not going to rush things. We're not going to rush things. Two or three months after we're married. <laughs> um, I love that girl to death. Um, so, I guess really the big picture is uh, coming through Grace Centers of Hope, seeing the work that God's doing here completely saved my life. And I had to depend on something that was bigger than me. And I think if anybody here is going through anything that they can't control, that's the biggest thing you need to realize is you can't control it. God can, and you need to give it to him. And no matter how hard it gets, you're going to come out stronger in faith and in will on the other side of that storm. That's all I have.